This time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. My big date with Barry is next Saturday. Daphne has been carrying on email communication with him in my absence, but using my name. I assume he now has rather erroneous view of me, i.e. as someone intelligent and witty. I fear it will come as a great disappointment for him to meet the real thing. 9th of September, Tuesday. Adam was sitting on the edge of his chair this evening, unable to get comfortable. I assumed he was nervous at the prospect of going to university and realised this was an ideal opportunity for the mother-son chat I'd promised myself. I was about to begin on a reassuring talk when I realised I'm not the best person to talk about life on one's own. I was 49 before I had to undergo it and it has not been an entirely enjoyable experience. Then I realised further that, strictly speaking, I could still not consider myself as living alone as I have Adam with me. Until he leaves anyway the day after tomorrow, when I will be entirely on my own. I'm not sure that I'm looking forward to this, but had to put on a brave face for Adam. Well, Adam, I said, as heartily as I could, nearly time for you to be off in the big world on your own. How are you feeling about that? Bit nervous, I expect? Nah, can't wait. I could see he was trying hard to hide his real feelings. You know, Adam, I'm in the same boat as you. When you go, it'll be the first time I'll have been alone. And I'm not looking forward to it, I can tell you. His expression changed from one of pretended jollity to one of seriousness. I hadn't thought about that, Mum. No, well, I didn't want to make a fuss. But all I'm saying is that you don't have to suffer alone. You can come home for a weekend any time you like. I'll pay for your train ticket. Or phone me, day or night, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be alone when I'm on the other end of the phone. And I can come and visit you, take you out for a meal. We could go for a curry together. You'd like that, wouldn't you? He nodded slowly. So it won't be that bad, will it? I patted his hand. I'm glad we've had this chat, Adam. I grabbed him to hug him to me. Ow! What's the matter? Uh, nothing, Mum. What do you mean, nothing? Does something hurt? Do you need to see a doctor before you go away? No, Mum, it's fine. It's just... Well, you pulled me out of my chair. I, I, I caught my arm on the side. That shouldn't have hurt enough to make you yelp. He had a slightly shame-faced look about him. Is there something you're not telling me, Adam? He sighed. I've got a tattoo. A what? I screamed. See, I knew you'd freak. That's why I didn't tell you. I took a deep breath. I'm not freaking, I said as calmly as I could manage. I'm just surprised. Where exactly is this tattoo? He turned round, lowered the back of his jeans and revealed a fire-breathing dragon on the top of his right buttock. For a moment I was unable to speak. I wanted to scream again, but I felt that wouldn't be a wise move. Eventually I squeaked. Uh, did, it, did it hurt? Have it done, I mean? Adam seemed relieved that I was taking it so calmly. Not that much, actually. Not as much as I expected. Oh, good. I felt that, as he had shared his tattoo with me, I should respond in an adult fashion and not clip him around the back of his head while saying, how does this hurt then, as I felt inclined to do. 
I tried to say, it's a very nice dragon, but the words came out as, what about AIDS? Adam laughed. I'm not stupid, Mum. I went to a proper tattooist, where everything's sterilised and clean and done properly. Well, well, what about skin cancer then? What? I read it in Muriel's mail. Tattoos cause cancer when they're exposed to the sun. Don't worry, Mum. I'm not planning on exposing my arse to the sun that often. I couldn't help wondering what was the point of a tattoo if no one sees it. Although, on the whole, I'm grateful that no one will see it. It'll only be flashed in the pub when Wales beat England at rugby. Oh, that's all right then. I'm a Welsh boy, Mum, going to university in England. I wanted something to remind me of home. If he'd said that before, I would have bought him a fluffy sheep. 10th of September, Wednesday. In the waiting room of Breast Test Wales Clinic. There are two other ladies here. One looks about 26 and has no boobs to speak of. The other, who has just been done and is waiting for her lift home, is nearer 96 and flat as a young boy. I'm sitting huddled over to make my own mammaries look less obvious. I'm not reassured by the poster on the wall. It has two cartoons. One shows a smiling boo being inserted into a thumbscrew-like device. The other shows the same boob frowning and puffing as all life is squeezed out of it. I would feel happier if there were a third cartoon showing boob returned to normal. Full and dangling is infinitely preferable to flat and dangling. Perhaps the old lady was as well endowed as me before she went beyond that door. I feel strangely affectionate towards my bosom. I don't want to lose it now. I am patting them gently when the nurse comes to call me in. Later. Mammogram machines were invented by a man. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm sure they must have been. Still, I'm glad I went. It will be good to be reassured over the health of my breasts, assuming I am given the all clear. But I'm not thinking about that now. I have to make sure Adam is packed and ready for the morning. Brian is picking him up at 9.30. Much later in bed. I can't believe my baby is off to university tomorrow. It only feels like yesterday that he was screaming and spilling food on the sofa. Oh, no, wait. That was Tuesday during the big match. I will miss him. Miss the empty beer cans and crisp packets all over the place. The empty fridge that could never stay full. The empty house. He's done well, and I am proud of him. He is good in all the right ways. We must not have been such bad parents. I hope he will be happy. I suppose this is the beginning of the end, really. I don't imagine he will come back here to live after college. It'll just be the holidays, and then, like Chloe, he'll be finding his own place, and wife and family. Adam heard me sighing and came in to see if I was all right. He is a good boy. 11th of September, Thursday. I forgot to set the alarm and overslept. As a result, I didn't have time to shower, dress and make sandwiches before Brian arrived. So I decided making sandwiches should be my first priority. I was about to hand over these hastily prepared sandwiches when Brian said, We'll stop at the services just after Bristol and get some lunch, OK, Adam? 
I quickly returned the sandwiches to the fridge. Then I was so busy packing everything into the car and trying to remember what it was that Adam was likely to forget that I didn't have time to think about Brian being in the house again. When everything was loaded, Brian said, OK, Adam, think that's it? Yeah, I guess. Let's go then. Bye, Alison. I'll phone you if you like when I get back to tell you what his accommodation is like. That would be nice, thank you. Brian took his seat behind the wheel. Adam and I stood and looked at each other for a moment. Then I hugged him and said, You phone me now, do you hear? Yeah, Mum. At least once a week and take care and work hard. You're not there just to get drunk. No, Mum, he laughed. And, oh, just remember all the things we've taught you over the years. Yes, Mum. And Adam, enjoy yourself. I will. He leaned over and kissed me. Love you, Mum. You too. I bit my lip. Go on now, your dad is waiting. I waved until the car turned the corner, then noticed that Mr Price next door had come out to watch. That's that then, I smiled weakly at him. Another big step along the way. Mr Price looked me up and down and said, Shall you night to you, Erin? Muriel had the kettle on ready when I got into work. She told me to sit quietly for a while until I felt like working. I was just enjoying my tea when the phone rang. I sighed and lifted the receiver. Davis and Davis, financial advisors, how may I help you? Good morning, Alison, it's David. Oh, I suddenly felt an enormous lump in my throat moving up to my eyes rapidly. I sniffed quickly. You all right, Alison? Adam's just left for university. I stuttered down the phone. Oh, I see. Well, that's good, isn't it? You must be pleased for him. Oh, yes, I am very... Uh, look, perhaps I could. At that moment, young Mr Davies came hurrying into the office. Sorry I'm late, folks. I'm expecting a call, Alison, from... Oh, you're on the phone. That's not Mr Davies, is it? I nodded. Excellent. I'll take the call in my office. Put him through, will you please? Uh, young Mr Davies has just arrived. I'll put you through to him now, shall I? Uh, yes, yes, please. Thank you. I wonder what David was going to suggest he could do. Not that I'm interested anyway. I had my hot date with Barry on Saturday. That will take my mind off things. As long as he's not a psycho or a stalker. Later, Brian phoned. Said they had got to Exeter safely and that Adam was in a flat with three girls and one boy. He'd met them and they all seemed thoroughly respectable and the other boy was cooking tea for them all. You know, Alison, he'll be fine. Yes, I know. And I do know. It's just that, well, he's gone and I'm going to miss him. Chloe phoned to ask if Adam had got off OK. I told her what her dad had said and we laughed at the fact that Adam seems to have fallen on his feet already, being in a flat with three girls and a keen cook. Then Chloe said, Adam told me what you said. Did he? About what? Him going and you being alone. I just wanted to reassure you that even if you're alone, it doesn't mean you have to be lonely. I'm always here for you. I thought that was my line. I had been feeling quite brave, but I'm not so sure now.
13th of September, Saturday. This is the plan. I am meeting Barry at the Rock and River at 8 o'clock. Pippa and Bev will arrive at the pub before that and find a table from which they will have a clear view of the entire lounge bar. I will arrive just after 8 to give him plenty of time to get there and will join Barry. If at any point during the evening I am uncomfortable and wish to escape, I will signal to the girls. They will ring me on my mobile and I will say that my mother has been taken ill and I have to go. The signal is me scratching the middle of my back. I suspect that if I start scratching myself it will be Barry who will be looking for an excuse to leave, but it will serve its purpose and it was the best we could come up with. I arrived at the pub at 8.15pm. I didn't want to take any chances. I quickly spotted Pippa, Bev and Daphne I didn't know she was coming, at a corner table. I looked around the lounge but couldn't see anyone resembling Barry's photo. I was about to give up and join the girls when a short, er than me, and well-built, podgy man stood up and came towards me, holding out his hand. Alison, you made it. You look just like your photo. I laughed weakly. <laughs> That's a shame. Nonsense, it's very flattering. I'm afraid my photo's a bit old, he went on. Couldn't find a newer one. Yeah, right, I thought, and I bet you didn't look too hard. It's not that his face was unpleasant. It was just that there was so much of it. However, I told myself that a man is more than he looks, which was rather profound of me especially as, at the time, my hand was being squeezed between his sticky, chubby ones. He led me over to the table, got me seated, then asked what I'd like to drink. I told him red wine. Then he asked if I'd like some peanuts. Or crisps, maybe? Or pork scratchings? No, thank you. Oh, can't resist them myself. Will be a tick. I glanced around at the girls. Pippa and Daphne gave me a thumbs up, while Bev shrugged non-committally. I suspected, for once, it was Bev who was in the right. <laughs>